0: Welcome to Queers & Co, the podcast on self-empowerment, body liberation and activism for queer folks and allies. I'm your host, Jem Kennedy. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm a transformational practitioner and coach living in the UK. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode, and actually it's the final episode of series two. I have mixed feelings about it because on the one hand, I'm really excited to be able to share this interview with you. It's a little bit later in uh, being released because I have been a little bit too busy to actually sit down and record the intro and the outro something that I always find really tricky I'm not sure why but um, yes I've finally done it and now I'm excited to share it with you but I also feel a little bit sad because I really enjoy speaking to all of the guests that I have on the show and uh, the thought of kind of not going through that creative process for a little while is making me feel a bit sad but I also know that I need to make space for some other projects that I'm working on I can't manage everything at the same time. So hopefully there will be a Series 3 next year in 2022. That sounds really futuristic, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, Let me introduce you to my guest for today. So she is a prominent LGBTQ plus activist in London and a rising entrepreneur in travel. She's the founder of Moonlight Experiences, which is an organisation dedicated to the celebration of queer culture through tourism and nightlife. She is committed to breaking down intersectional barriers and reshaping the way we navigate travel and community as LGBTQ plus individuals or as allies, and we're going to talk lots about that. She also has some really interesting roles in various cool um, projects and movements, which you will hear about too. So without further ado, allow me to introduce my final guest of Series 2, Aisha Sha'ibu. Hi Aisha, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited. We've just run through all of the cool things that you're working on. So I want to ask you so many questions. But um, before we jump in, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself.
1: Sure. Um, my name is Aisha, Aisha Chiaibu. Um, She, her. Um, I'm, I wear many hats. And I think um, <laughs> for a lot of people, one of the things they don't know that I do is um, I'm a researcher. Scientist by day and then at night I do a lot of community events and just part of various community projects as well. Um, I think in a nutshell I'll just leave it to that so that you can hear more in depth later.
0: Okay thank you wow and I had no idea you had another job alongside all of these other things.
1: I know it, it's crazy I, <laughs> I don't think you know I, I'm reaching my capacity to juggle um, I'm quite impressed. Um, I've been able to up to this point anyway.
0: Yeah. Have you always been able to like juggle so many things and wear so many different hats? Um, I think so. I think
1: perhaps, I have. I guess in this sense, my science background helps, you know, being quite analytical. I think you're just able to multitask a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I think the older I got, the more I realised it was very easy for me to do so. Um, and that's why I guess it's brought me to this point today.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so let's think about some of the many things that you're juggling then. And um, I guess people may know you for different things when they come to this podcast, if they've kind of met you through one of the particular hats that you're um, you know working in. So how about we start with Moonlight Experiences, which I guess if anyone, like anyone could be interested in this because um, it's just such a cool project. So tell me about that.
1: Yeah, sure. When um, I experienced this, I started that a couple of years ago just because I felt it was very, very difficult to travel um, solo and it was very difficult to also navigate as a kind of black woman and then as a queer woman as well. Um, and I just wanted something to make me feel a little bit more connected to the places that I was going to. So that's why I started it um, so that I feel a little bit better, I feel safer whilst travelling to new cities. I mean, also when I say travelling, I'm talking about commuting, for example, from Essex to London, from Norwich Mm -hmm. to London, because I used to live in all those places and I often felt still quite isolated when I was in London. Um, So that's why I started it. And I started it so that other people don't have to feel the same way, um, the, the same way I felt. So it brings you into the best things the city has to offer, specifically focusing on the LGBTQ community, but ensuring that you are immersed into things that are diverse. Because despite the fact that London, you know, has, is is a melting point of various ethnic minorities and different cultures, the queer scene doesn't quite represent that on a commercial sense. You know, when Mm -hmm. you Google things, it's all about Soho. Soho, yes, is the epicenter of queer culture. But if you're somebody, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, from an ethnic background, if you're somebody that doesn't prescribe to kind of the commercial gay culture of what Soho offers, you feel a little bit like an outsider. And I find that the best things that happen in any cities are not in the commercial spots. They're on the ground. They're run by locals. They often are uh- where marginalized communities are and this is what i wanted to bring to the forefront because i realized by doing this you know i'm also helping queer women um those who are also non-binary and especially the cutie pop community um just trying to add that visibility and ensuring that travelers are supporting the community and the money is going to the right place because you know Our queer traveling community um, do spend a lot of money. You know, back in 2018, it was estimated that we spent something like 218 billion billion. So all that money, you know, when you think about it, if it if, if a fraction of that is directed to supporting our community, to supporting our LGBT venues, I think we'll be in a better place than we have been over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that idea from um, like a tourist perspective to be able to go into a city and not only um kind of experience authentic culture you know queer culture in that place but also have access to people who are like-minded you know it's not easy to walk into a community and um find the places where people hang out that you want to be around Uh, so if you're if you're queer like that's very different from being gay isn't it you know if you um I mean if there's the political element as well so yeah I really love that idea of finding spaces in in cities and it isn't just London is it that Moonlight Experiences operates in?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It isn't just London. So we've been, you know, just pre-COVID, we were expanding to other cities such as Paris, Barcelona, Lisbon and Amsterdam just to offer that same service because you know I enjoy traveling and I know those cities are often felt quite um, lonely at times to find real authentic communities and to just feel welcome and to feel safe yes it is very easy to find things to do during the day you know but at night it's a, it, it it's a whole different ball game and this is where moonlight experiences come into play.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember I went to Barcelona once and um, (laughs) I remember looking in my guidebook to see like what the gay or um, what the LGBTQ plus nightlife was like. And it was, I think, one bar at the time in this book. And I just remember thinking like, is this really where everyone hangs out all the time <laughs> so actually having like and I guess it's up to the minute as well rather than you know what some person decided two years ago was a place that some that's queer people true. hang out
1: that's true <laughs> <laughs> no and that's it and the fact that also you wouldn't be alone you know you get to meet you know other people from around the ra- around the world other queer people but also you're there with a the local you know that mm. local don't have to worry. It will take you to the best places, places that are often missed, and sometimes even here in London. You know, I you know a lot of people within the UK do come on my experience. London has come to my experience, and they don't know the things that we go to actually exist. So, mm. because it's so easy to stick in your bubble, go to the places that you know the same bar, the same pub. But after a while, you also realize not all your friends want to go out, or you know. Maybe they don't have time to do so. So it's nice to constantly have people should you decide that you do want to go out and want to experience different things. Not just, you know, the dance element, but a mixture of um, education, a mixture of kind of secret bars, a mixture of, you know, underground um, events such as vocals, cabaret, live music, things that perhaps could not, uh, might not be on your radar.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds so great. I'm now gonna like think about where I book my next break <laughs> so oh. I can go and experience some of the things. It's really cool. Um, so I feel like we could talk about this so much more because there's it's just a really interesting topic. But I'm conscious of getting onto uh, the other work that you do. So thinking about um, venues and places that people may not be aware of, you've got this really cool project that you're working on at the moment to create an LGBTQ plus sober venue in Shoreditch, and it'll be so cool to hear a bit more about that and how it's going.
1: No, absolutely. So um, this project, I mean, came by to me in a very unexpected way. Um, so I was connected to it, funny enough, through Moonlight Experiences, through meeting other queer people from around uh-huh. the world. So it's, it's weird because this kind of synergy happened where I was meeting various travellers and then they connected me to somebody who has a venue and who wanted to kind of make an inclusive LGBT space and that's how it happened and it kind of just Mm. snowballed from there and you know when you think about it like the work I do, I never expected it would bring me to this position today but that just shows you the beauty of connecting and networking with people from around the world, you just never know. Um, And this person's also an ally. She's a POC ally who recognized how difficult it is for certain people within our community to access space. Um, But it started from the Glass House game. So there was a venue called the Glass House in Brick Lane. So it started from there and they did series of podcasts. You can find all these things online. And they realized the fact that all these people they've been talking to, they wanted to provide a physical space for them, but they didn't know how can they connect all these people and bring them together. And it just so happens that the work I've been doing in moonlight experiences fitted the vision of what they also wanted. And it's just wonderful to be working with a group of people who are community driven, as I am, and not profit driven, and also wanting to give us the space and authentically say, "Hey." this is yours you know make it as you feel make it for the community so that's why i think makes it even more exciting
0: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i've i remember seeing um a while ago when i first found out about the venue that there's going to be like podcast recording um booths and lots of other cool stuff so um maybe for anyone who might be able to get to shoreditch what what else is going to be there
1: um yes you're absolutely right so currently there is a podcast studio that has been up and running um that is you know will be also available to hire we're going to have two additional podcast rooms and the idea is you know for certain people who are, are happy to broadcast live that podcast can be available within the space as well so it'll be quite nice to be heading into the shops and perhaps listening to you or listening to anybody else whilst you're kind of chilling and um, browsing through books. So the venue is going to also have a book stop, uh, a bookshop, um, which will be in a cafe setting. And that is part of the sober space. And then downstairs, there's an event um, space as well for the community to use. I mean, this is not like A party venue, it's more of a hangout spot for the community Mm -hmm. to provide an alternative to what we kind of do have already. Um, but yeah, there will be perhaps like live music sessions, poetry nights, um, cabaret, intimate cabaret settings, a variety of activities. But also, I must say, the bookstore is going to be incredible because it is focused on the marginalized community, different genders that we don't often have. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. We're looking at stocking something like uh, 1,500 books um, of contemporary um, titles um, from those within our community just so that we can have that space to be better educated also as allies. Just also, a lot of us don't know our history or they're not, we're not quite up to date with um, relevant literature. So it gives us that access as well. Um, alongside that, you know, this venue is it's great because it's two venues connected. So the other half of it will be a restaurant. Um, and that restaurant will be able to also have certain life events that are happening as well as it is a alcoholic bar on that end of the venue
0: great yeah it sounds like it covers all bases and I love the idea of having a space to hang out as well because I think that really lacks um certainly from what I've come across and I'm sure there are places that exist but yeah that's that sounds really cool to me um so thinking of of community then and it sounds like this will definitely have like a a big community that kind of pops up around it. Um, You also have these other two, (laughs) other two roles that you Mm -hmm. do. Um, (laughs) So the first one is um, working as head of community for UK Black Pride. And Mm -hmm. it will be really cool to hear like how that came about and what your experience has been with that so far.
1: Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, this new role um, happened quite recently. Um, But I was initially the, um, the volunteer manager. And, um going back a step, you know, I met also my fiance at u k Black Pride, so this is also how it all began. Um We met at u k Black Pride, and then I think um a couple of months later, I started volunteering, so I became the volunteer manager, but often I've also worked in other charities when I lived in Norwich in Norfolk. I was working for an asylum seeker and refugee charity, so often you know it's the work. always been there, so to speak, wanting Mm. to support communities that are marginalised. So when, you know, I started going to UK Black Pride, I realised that this was an organisation I wanted to help and I wanted to be part of. I wanted to utilise my skills that I've gained from previous years to help and support my community. Um, So that's how that happened.
0: Yeah. And that history of like always having been involved in community. I guess I wonder how that's come about for you. Is it something you've always felt passionate about or was there a particular experience or like a particular thing that kind of got you wanting to engage in community building?
1: Yeah, I think it's something I've always been passionate about just because I think um you know when I was younger I was a lot quieter, I kept to myself and I often felt also that you know, I would say mainly London, the London community wasn't what I quite expected it to be. So even though I was born in London, I grew up majority of my years in Nigeria with my fa- with my extended family over there. So when I came back into London, you know, as a teenager, I felt it was quite an, a lonely place where... I guess the community feel I experienced in Nigeria was not the same. And I often found it difficult to navigate that, to understand that, to form friendships in different ways. Um, And I think after a couple of years, I realized that it's because the community wasn't quite the same. And I wanted to help shape that. I wanted to bring, I guess, my experience of what I had in the past, um, including the things that made me feel welcome in Nigeria, into um, the community here in London. But specifically, also after coming out, you know, it became even worse. It's like, oh, where are the queer community? Where are the, you know, there is loads of like different sections of communities here. I think, I mean, I'll use authentic. You know, it takes time to truly bond with a group of people or to nurture that friendship. And I often think it shouldn't take that long, but it does. So I'm hoping that my involvement in you know all these projects eventually will kind of increase that. Will, yeah, eventually I hope it will increase that and help other people um, in whatever way possible.
0: Yeah, I really hear that. Especially, I'd imagine coming to London, where the community is quite transient, isn't it? Especially, especially the queer community. People often, you know, live a few years in London and then they mm. maybe move elsewhere, and that can be really hard to like form long-term mm. friendships and community. Um, yeah, yeah, and I guess also thinking about the elements of community that existed in your community um, when you were living in Nigeria with your extended family. What what parts of that do you try to, like, bring into your community building here? Hmm. I think, you know,
1: when volunteering or being part of any project, it's just I, I go in with, I guess, the um, I go in mind that I truly just want to make a difference. I often find that a lot of people are part of things because they want something out of it and not for the Mm -hmm. community. And I think that is often it. It's just not having that element installed in certain people that actually When you work for a community or when you give back, you actually gain back in return as well. It doesn't have to be money related. It doesn't have to be to do with status or social media, whatever. You know, it's just the fact that you are open-minded and you are doing it for the love of it. And I feel like that is what most of the time is missing. You know, when people ask you to do something, you know. I find people go, oh, what is it it in it for me? You know, obviously it really depends on um, what people's situations are. But when I was a lot younger, it's just wanting to help and generally help people um, in terms of the projects I was passionate about and also involving projects that I think could make a difference by me being part of it.
0: Yeah, the word that comes to mind for me, and I don't know how this feels to you, but is like devotion. It's almost about like giving yourself over to the community, and not in a way, I guess, that's going to completely exhaust you or like yes. you know be too much. Yeah. But just really being there for um the cause, whatever it is that you're working for, rather than thinking about it being like a swap. You know, I'll give you this if you give me that's this it. in return.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. There's also this almost with social currency, especially due to like social media and the rise of that. It's almost like okay, I did. For you, you do that for me. And it's like, I I don't think that is the way we should be working. I understand how that does benefit certain projects or certain people, but in the heart of it really needs to come that love, or you know, as you said, that devotion to wanting to help without expecting anything back. And often when you do that, you get more in return than if it was calculated, so to speak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just thinking about um at the beginning when we said you wear all these different hats and you kind of realize that you're very good at multitasking. I wonder what else doing all of this work brings you
1: um for me it just it brings me joy it absolutely mm. brings me joy because all these projects I'm part of you know I tend to meet so many beautiful people, so many lovely people who are doing amazing things within the community, and I think that this whole kind of great energy that we build into spaces is quite nourishing. You know, um, know, of course, if you do too much, you get exhausted, which sometimes does happen. But when you strike that right balance, it really just ignites kind of joy, um, which I feel like everybody should be able to experience and not just joy, but also I think it adds to the element of belonging. Mm-hmm. um which i feel once you have that especially being queer and you know a lot of us do struggle with our sexuality it gives you i feel like a peace of mind knowing that you belong knowing like you're in the right place where you're supported by different people um it then means that you can concentrate on other things in your life you don't have to worry you don't have to have that low self esteem Um, especially because sometimes within the queer community when you try to form friendships if you're not interested in somebody romantically sometimes they don't want to know so how do you Mm -hmm. strike that without bringing in the romantic element how do I create a community without people thinking hey I'm interested in going out with you you know you know it's just kind of trying to differentiate the two that I feel like a lot of people don't realize or often struggle with as well
0: yeah that's such a good point yeah and I think uh, well I'm wondering people listening to this will probably have questions of like maybe they are already involved in community or perhaps they would like to get more involved but aren't really sure where to start and I wonder What tips you might give people who are either looking to organize their own thing or who are wanting to join something existing, but from the right place, um, you know, from that place of wanting to support the community rather than necessarily wanting to get something out of it?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think for me, the easiest thing is to volunteer. Volunteer your skills, whatever you may be good at, whatever you may have experience. Look at certain charities. I mean, if you prefer to be working with queer charities, look into that as well, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the case. You know, my first charity that I worked for, it was an asylum seeker and refugees charity. I think there was ever one queer person that I ever met whilst being there for like six years, six, seven years. So um, it doesn't doesn't have to be queer, but it's just utilising your skills, putting on activities for those who need it, um, dependent on your skill set. And I think from then on, then you improve and you ha- you enhance the skills that you need to later perhaps put on your own thing, perhaps um, build your own community in whatever way that may be.
0: Yeah, I really love that idea of like starting smaller <laughs> rather exactly. than you know, jumping into something huge. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many charities that always need volunteers. UK Black Pride Needed, London Queen Fashion Show, you name it, opening doors. There's so many beautiful charities in our community that, again, you can start by befriending somebody, You know, becoming a mentor or whatever. You know, there's so many, so many options and also a lot of flexibility. It doesn't have to take all of your time. You know, you can meet people twice a month or once a week, or once every other week, you know, I highly, highly recommend it. You know, also like taking focus away from you, I feel is a really great way for self-reflection, for personal mm. development, um, because that is what it offers you. And I feel later on, it really gives you a better foundation to also understand who you are.
0: Yes, because... I think often like personal development can encourage that we think about ourselves within a bit of a vacuum um you know who am I like what what I don't know what am I into like what what are my values all those kinds of things and those are important questions but we only really exist in the world like in relationship to other people and so it's important to do that work in a communal setting as well as in an individual setting
1: Absolutely absolutely I think it really provides a lot of clarity then that clarity really benefits you in different parts of your life, whether that is your job, your day job, or that is something you want to build later on. And also your family, you know, it really, really provides clarity how you navigate and how you connect with your own family or friends or whatever relationship or network you are part of.
0: Yeah, yeah. um, And thinking of, um, you know, people kind of maybe going and getting involved in communities or perhaps getting involved in more ways if they're already doing something. I wonder if there are things that you do to look after yourself um, and to kind of make sure that you don't push yourself so far that you burn out and then aren't able to help any of the communities that you're involved in.
1: Yeah, no, this is a really, really good question. And I think, especially because of COVID, it made me realise how much I was doing. And I think Mm -hmm. it's so easy when you are, busy not to be mindful of I guess how easily you can get burnt out um, but quite fortunate I do have a fiance Alexia and I think it's really nice to have somebody who you know can say hey I think you need to slow down a bit or I, you know take some time for yourself as well just having somebody who you know is close to you who you can check in with as well and just also um having somebody who you know again you know we're gonna be getting married um sometime next year and just having somebody away from the work that you do as well I think is really beneficial um mm-hmm. but I I've always always been into sports so I was um I was, I started playing football at quite an early age. I've played for several teams in the past before I got injured. So I feel for me, my self care is doing some form of exercise because keeping your body physically, I think, in check. It helps, re- helps a lot mentally as well. And just getting all those good endorphins, making sure, you know, a couple of times a week you are exercising whatever capacity it may be, whether it's the gym, whether it's going for walks, you know, just installing that form of routine helps you um, a little bit further. And um, and then holidays. I, I absolutely am a lover of traveling and going on holidays because that is a form of self-care. You know, being able to almost get away from all the work and all your commitments and just being able to relax or just focus on other things. The funny thing is when I go on holiday, despite the fact there are beaches and stuff like that, I like to go on walks. I like to be active. But, you know, um, that helps me in terms of the way I look after myself and how I provide room and headspace so that I can focus on the things I do for the community later on.
0: Yeah. And when you are away, do you find it easy to kind of Unplug from the things that you're involved in, do you have like a boundary around that, or do you find that when you're away lots of stuff's like bubbling up of things you want to do or create when you get back?
1: Yeah, I find that things do bubble up and certain things are still going on. It's so tempting to like <laughs> still do stuff because I love what I do, but you know as I said, I do have a few on stations like, okay, enough that is there. We need to <laughs> unplug. <laughs> and as much as I'm like, no, just one thing, I, I know myself that yes. I do need to unplug and then I do eventually and once I do, I I, like once I'm relaxed, nobody come and ask me nothing. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) I'm not around. Don't ask me anything, let me know in a week, and then I switch off, you know. Once you know, I settle into my holiday mode, I'm just like floating on cloud nine.
0: That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Just popping in with your episodely reminder to take a few deep breaths, grab a drink of water. And make sure you unclench that jaw. And while you do that, I just wanted to remind you that I offer one-to-one work. So if you are interested in working through anything around self-empowerment, around body liberation or activism, then feel free to take a look at my website, gemkennedy.com, where you'll find all the info that you need, hopefully, to find out whether it's for you. I have a couple of spaces coming up in June and July and I just wanted to make a a special mention that if finances are something that might hold you back from doing this kind of work I just wanted to reassure you that I've come to all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful arrangements and just entirely normal arrangements um, with clients in the past so please don't let finances be the thing that stops you from kind of putting yourself forward for that kind of work. Um, We can usually come to some kind of arrangement that works for both of us and now I'll let you get back to the episode with Aisha. I guess that provides like a really good contrast for the times where you're, um, you know, I don't want to say juggling because it doesn't mm. even feel, hearing you talk about it, it doesn't feel like you're kind of spinning plates trying to keep things up in the air. It feels pretty seamless. I don't know if that feels true to you.
1: It absolutely really does. And um, yeah. I, I think it's because I there is always something um, in common with all the projects that I'm part of. So it almost like intersects and there's a lot of synergy between them. And I think that's why it makes it quite easy to, um, I guess, juggle or kind of be part of all of them, so to speak, at you know one point or another. And everything I do, it, it, you know, it could be quite seasonal. UK Black Pride is um, the most consistent thing that I do pretty much like alongside my day job um Mm -hmm. and you know with london queer fashion show it only happens during september during london fashion week so again it's kind of scheduling i guess being good at scheduling really really helps to um making time at different times of the month um, ahead of certain events or certain projects um i think that's why it makes it feel seamless
0: Yeah. And also like, it just feels really flowy, I guess, because there are overlaps and synergies between all the things you're doing. I wonder if, um, and you obviously don't have to name like a specific thing, but I wonder if there are things you've done in the past that you've noticed that maybe aren't as flowy and you've perhaps moved away from, or whether it is really that just what you take on is like always in alignment with what it is that you're wanting to do.
1: Um. I don't think there's been any yet. I mean, I I feel like everything I take on has to be in alignment. And also Mm. I need to, I don't know, not believe, but I need to have a good feeling about the person running it i need Mm -hmm. to understand and believe in terms of their ethos and once i do then i am pretty much on board in terms of supporting and just helping within that project even if it's for example being part of it short term and then moving away um Uh that is something that i'm very mindful of i don't have to be involved with things like forever (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but just getting it in the space that I can see, hey, yes, this is helping the community in the way that you want to do to do. and, hey, take it from here. You know, it's like, um, it's just giving people their own ownership and I'm just part of that journey, you know, and... Yeah, and that's how I like to see and it's the same way with Moonlight experiences. When people come into London, they you know, they've booked a two week holiday or one week holiday. I want to be part of their journey. I want them to go back home and to remember the memories and the different things that we did and part of that journey. And I feel that, that being part of that journey and being part of somebody's growth or an experience really, really does make an impact because I've met some beautiful, amazing people from, I don't know, places like Dubai, from Taiwan who are queer and, you know, they don't have the same freedom and liberation in their country. So when they come here, the experience that they have, is life-changing for them. I've had a few Americans who have come to, you know, as part of Moonlight Experiences to experience what I do. And it ended up moving to London. So wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few people almost needed me as you know, as that person to kind of confirm. You know, they've always wanted to come to London, but they didn't know whether they wanted to. And then they'll beat me and go, you know what, I should this is it. You know, and I keep in touch with them. Um, And it's quite nice because when I travel into those cities, they meet me. They want me to stay with them. So mm. I have like this whole network of amazing queer people around the world who are like, hey, I should come hang out with us. Do you need anything in our city? You know, it's just so lovely to feel connected to other people around the world, not just London centric.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to be able to provide that kind of, I guess it feels like respite or like, um well, a few things actually. So for someone who maybe can't explore their queerness and kind of live openly as a queer person in their country, to be able to come somewhere where they're kind of facilitated to experience that, that must be so magical to be part of.
1: It really is. And do you know what? It makes you realise how lucky we are and how much more. I love London. I've always enjoyed London, but seeing London, seeing the things that we have, sometimes perhaps we take for granted in our community through the eyes of somebody new, it's just incredible. You know, like just seeing their reactions and how they take it in on their own perspective based on what we've always had. You know, it's really lovely. And, you know, sometimes they go, oh, yeah, it's the same thing. Or, oh, I've seen that cabaret. I've seen that performer. But that performer and what they do It is so powerful to especially people who have never seen that before and they appreciate it so much. And as I said, it really does make an impact and often also because I get some – straight people that come onto the experience it's an educational process for them they start to Mm -hmm. understand the community better they start to become better allies as well because they're not just sitting down or being part of a diversity inclusion training at work that they're meant to do or they're forced to do Mm -hmm. you know they're coming in and they're engaging with the community they're talking to the locals the locals are engaging with them authentically and natural and because of that they feel it, is, it makes it a powerful tool uh, for people to learn and for people to be a better version of themselves.
0: Absolutely. It feels like such a powerful tool for social change. And I think I've never. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever really thought about tourism in that way, that like it can be a powerful tool for social change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, throughout the pandemic, I um, because we couldn't do in-person experiences, we started going digital and virtual like most people did. And I didn't think many people would be interested in like coming online and listening to me alongside like other performers so I, I bring on drag kings and queens but what I do is awesome. yeah I go through the whole um, queer history of London you know what we had back in the day from when homosexuality was, was criminalized why it was criminalized because of Henry's the eighth buggery act like going through it um slowly taking them on a journey but also providing perspective on I guess the history that is often not told. History about the black and POT community. History about, you know, queer people who which we don't tend to see because it hasn't been often documented. I go through this with them and they End up being these like amazing, talented performers and drag kings. And just it provides so much clarity and perspective to them that they want to support more. You know, I had the lack of Twitter join us, Spotify have joined us all from around the world. Often, um, American companies who are interested in seeing and learning and supporting our community. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been an eye opener to me because, you know, being online has just makes, made things a lot more accessible, you don't need to come to London to connect with us. you can connect with us virtually and still have a little bit of that experience. I say until you can join us because you know most of the people I've talked to they've put London on their list just to come and see us just to come and see the artists that they've been introduced to,
0: yeah, yeah, and oh my God, like I've got goosebumps right now it's so <laughs> it's just so cool um so yeah I guess one of like a question about that then is are you still doing online experiences like can people listening to this still access those or do they need to now now sort of come to London in order to experience it in person?
1: No uh, the online experiences are still active they're going to keep them active just because um, I think it's very important to have that accessibility as well because not everybody even if you're not traveling not everybody has has that ability all the time to be in venues to be walking around to be in spaces so that will always be open for anybody that wants it so um yeah i i encourage anybody listening to get in touch with me if they want to book an experience and also if you want to book an experience for your whole team you know if you work in a company that i might that might need it or i would say recommend that want to learn more about the community it's the perfect perfect Way to do so. It really does immerse people into the community so that they can understand everything better. You know, we go through um, different gender identities, uh, pronouns. You know, it's it's almost like we are not taught any of this at school. Just because you're Mm -hmm. queer doesn't mean oh, don't worry, I know all about what it is to be queer. Our queer history. We're not um, taught any of this, so you're not expected to know. So it's okay to seek out educational tools or Things that give you an overview of different parts of our community. I think it's just part of personal growth and developing. So I don't feel anybody should feel worried or insecure about coming on to just learn better about themselves and also about other gender identities that they've been perhaps haven't had time to explore or to ask questions about. This is the perfect place to do
0: so. Yeah, that's so great. And I'm wondering. Uh, and this may be something that you have thought about it may not be so please feel free to say if it's not something you've thought about but um thinking about your connection with like history and understanding um the queer and the black experience and how that has changed over time like what the oppression has been historically and where we are now um I wonder how that like my sense is that that will ground you really well in the work that you're doing because you're connected to a sense of the past rather than just kind of working in a vacuum um but i wonder how that feels to you is that something that you're conscious of in your work or um yeah just a, a happy byproduct
1: yeah, no, I'm definitely conscious of it because I feel like in order to recognize where we need to go in the future, you need to know the past. You need to know it mm-hmm. in its raw form, you know, in the best of it and the worst of it, because that's how you can start uh, making change and that's how you can bring in different elements that perhaps somebody has never, you know, thought about. I mean, talking about this sober space, this venue could have easily not been a sober space, so to speak. But, you know, over the past and recognizing the fact that also those from the marginalized community struggle to keep spaces open and i'm talking about also just queer women you know queer women's spaces are have always always been in decline you know they open up and they close all the time and one of the is one of the things i spotted and recognized was because we were not utilising um, our whole community. We were not also utilising travellers. We were not also utilising allies. You know, yes, it is important to have things for us, um, started by us, but also I feel it's recognising when to get help and to accept that help. You know, and I feel that it's also to allow allies and give them different things that they can do to support our community. If they have a venue that they will give it to us, you know, we should take that on board. We should, you know, start working alongside allies so that we can further support and empower our community because there's so many allies out there who don't know what they can do. Yes, they can Mm -hmm. support us financially, but there are also resources that really, they can be given to us that we can, that can really make a difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that education element of things is so important as well, isn't it? Because it's all very well having a space that is serving the community that you're wanting to support and that you're part of. But it's almost like there will always be a need for that specific space until, um, or you know, if there isn't the work going on outside as well to create more of those spaces or just general spaces where anyone feels safe and able to, to show up as they are.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, you know, and this is why we want also this space to be a a lovely educational um, venue, you know, for young people, um, for students as well, coming in and learning and picking up books that, you know, a variety of books and literature um, written by our community and for our community. And that is, you know, for everybody, regardless of how you identify, just having Mm -hmm. that knowledge, you know knowledge is power and it will always be and we want to make that accessible because you know having that knowledge now means that somebody else later on can install and make a difference for the future generation and for us as well
0: yeah absolutely and thinking about um well (laughs) I'm conscious of time but I just wanted to ask um two more questions if that feels okay yeah so Thank you. The first one was um just to hear a bit more about London Queer Fashion Show because I have, you know, I live very close to London and I've seen um I've seen info about it on social media but I've never actually been and it would be really cool just to hear what that is like and maybe how people could get involved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, London Quay Fashion Show is absolutely amazing because it takes you away from what I guess we typically tend to see in fashion and in the fashion industry. Uh, and it also really um, gives you an alternative in terms of what we're supposed to look like or dress like, you know. Um, and, you know, my my role as head of talent is to make sure that, you know, we are including the right people and that. Uh, that space is as diverse as it should be. You know, we get over 100 models um, from all different works of life, whether they're professional models, whether they're influencers, whether they're locals. You know, sometimes in order to feel represented, you might want to represent yourself and you should be allowed to do so. You will have the space to do so. And I think that's what makes it so special because this is a show. This is something for our community to be there to celebrate you know, to see the people that you usually see um at night or during the day, for those who are doing community work, for those who are really making a difference, and for those who really just perhaps are looking to improve their confidence by strutting the stuff on the wrong way. That is what is <laughs> about You know, and also giving a platform to up and coming designers, you know, queer designers who really, really need that boost, really need lifting. It gives them a space to do that, to create an incredible portfolio, you know, because we do have uh, a a really, uh, we have a a wonderful team, you know, that, you know, run this, um, like, um, organisation and that's, and we do so much so that we can at some point make a difference in the life of whether you're an expiry, um, aspiring uh, model or an aspiring designer. It gives you that springboard and that launch to really propel you into the career that you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds really fun. Is it for a whole week? Um, no, it's actually just
1: for a day, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's London Queer Fashion Show. So it's just a show. Uh, but I, I mean, definitely there is room for it to grow into a week. Um, we mm-hmm. definitely can do so. And I mean, uh, we have. All different people that come and take part from young to old, you name it. All different body sizes are represented or abilities are represented, um, which is what I feel makes it special because it truly represents what our community actually looks like. And sometimes, yeah. and most of the time, we don't see that all in one room and we are able to put that in one room. And that's why it is so electric.
0: Yeah, it sounds great. I'm definitely going to try and come along. Um, <laughs> so the question that I asked to everyone towards the end is uh, whether they're happy to share something that they're really enjoying and it can be a thing, it can be a person, um, an idea, absolutely anything. I wonder if there's anything that you'd like to share.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm really enjoying, um, with my fiance, um, I think she makes me very happy, and that is, I guess, what brings me the most joy. And also, just finding joy in the little things—binge watching um, <laughs> certain programs, um, things, movies, shows on Netflix—that's, I think, what um, I guess the whole pandemic has given me the time to just do the simple things, and that's what I'm enjoying right now.
0: Yeah, and is there a way for you to kind of hang on to that? those simple things as we kind of open up and start to do do more, uh, I can't even speak, hold on. Um, <laughs> is there a way that you're going to like hold on to those simple things as you move out into being busier again with things opening up?
1: I hope so. I hope so. And I think the one of that is pushing to work from home, you know, a little bit more, whether it's once or twice a week. So I've gone back to work in person full time, but they're now quite flexible in terms of having certain days off so that you can work from home. And I think just having that will provide a bit more balance. I think just generally for everybody, you know, I know in like um, other regions around the UK, they're like um, experimenting on a four day week. I think that's bloody fantastic. I think, you know, in Scandinavian countries, they've installed that quite a while ago. So I think having that here, I think really will change the dynamic in terms of how we work and how we navigate and achieve, I guess, a, work-life balance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think of like, wow, just all the cool like extra stuff we could do if we had that extra time. I mean, I'm very lucky that I um, already work kind of flexibly um, mm. being self-employed but I know you know there are lots of people for whom that isn't an option at the moment and it is like five days at work two days at home or two days off um, mm. but also it makes me think of how many people will just if they had that extra time maybe wouldn't know what to do with it because they've never had a chance to think about what causes they might want to support or what they might want to get involved in
1: Absolutely. And I feel like, uh, you know, this past year, a lot of people have also changed jobs. A lot of people have, you know, evaluated their options. You know, unfortunately, some people have lost their jobs. So it's given them, you know, a little bit of a heartache to find something else. But I think it's really allowed us to think properly and to think Mm -hmm. about the things we should be supporting, to think about ourselves, what makes us happy and where we want to go in terms of our career and how we view family and time um that's what i think this i guess this whole pandemic has given us
0: yeah yeah there's so so much whilst it's been so difficult in so many ways i guess there has been a real time for reflection and kind of reevaluation. evaluation
1: mm, absolutely absolutely yeah
0: well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, we said we'd go until five past. And although I definitely <laughs> feel like I could talk to you for longer, I think we should probably stop there. Um, I will, of course, share all of the links to the projects that we've talked about so people can come and check you out in all of the various spaces. Is there anywhere that you would like to signpost people to um, that they should like definitely go if they're going to go and look, look you up first?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the best space is to um find me on social media or through my website at Moonlight Experiences. And from then on, you know, you'll be able to find the other projects I'm part of. And also, again, you can follow me on my own social media under Aisha underscore on the Aisha underscore um, But yeah, any, you know, checking out any of the other projects I'm part of, uh, or you'll be fine posted my way.
0: Great. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful.
0: Oh, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The final episode. Oh, the final episode of series two, but hopefully not the final episode ever. I hope you enjoy listening to Aisha. So much of what she shared resonated with me and thinking about community and, you know, what we engage with, especially as things open up was just a really um it felt like a really present thing for me and I think it is for a lot of people at the moment as always I hope you'll go along and check out the show notes to find all of the links where you can support Aisha's work um and I know for sure that I'm going to be booking something with Moonlight Experiences really soon hopefully well definitely in London but hopefully in other places too in the future and remember if you're near to London as well in June so this this month hopefully anytime soon the queer sober space that Aisha talked about will be opening um And I believe it's as yet unnamed. So just keep an eye out for that. As soon as I hear about when it's opening, I'll be sharing on social media as well. So that's everything for this series. Thank you so much to everyone who's listened. It's been quite the journey. The first episode came out in January. And I don't know about you, but life has changed significantly for me in that time between then and now. And I guess I'm excited to see where it's going to go over the next six months. And hopefully then I'll be back with another series. But who knows? Take care, everyone. And thanks again so much for listening and for supporting the podcast. If you're interested in working with me in a different capacity, then feel free to drop me an email at gem at gemkennedy.com or head to my website, gemkennedy.com, where you can find out more about what I do in terms of coaching and workshops and events. But also if you have an idea of like some kind of collaboration we could do, then please get in touch because I'm always interested to hear about exciting new things that I could work with people on. Okay. I think that's everything from me. Take care, everyone. Bye.